Hello and welcome to Truth Talks, brought to you by South African author, theologian and church leader, Dr. Christopher Pepler. This series is called Captivated by Jesus, and the title of this Truth Talk is His Unimaginable Glory. But who is this Jesus? What is his glory? And why is it unimaginable? Is he the Jesus of religious paintings, carried in pomp and ceremony on special occasions? No. Is he a historical wise man and healer who lived in Israel 2,000 years ago, but who is now just an icon? No. The Jesus who captivates us with his unimaginable glory is the one of whom the Apostle John wrote, In the beginning was the Word. Through him all things were made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The Word became flesh and lived for a while among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now this same John, who wrote the Gospel that bears his name, is the one who Jesus chose to accompany him, together with Peter and James, up Mount Hermon. And in Matthew 17 verse 2 it says, There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Can you imagine this? I can't. I know what bright light looks like. But the only time I tried to peep at the sun, I was temporarily blinded. I, I don't know how I would react if I saw someone, especially someone I knew well, turn into a being of pure light right there before me. It is unimaginable. In the Old Testament, a bright light was often associated with divine appearances. For instance, when God descended on the tent of meeting, that's the tabernacle, to talk with Moses, it looked like a bright shining cloud filling the tent. Moses could not immediately enter the tent because the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Also, when Moses went up on the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments, it says, the cloud covered it and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. You'll find those quotes in Exodus chapters 24 and 40. Now, the three disciples who accompanied Jesus up Mount Hermon would have been taught these Exodus accounts from early childhood. And Jesus was allowing them to see that he was the very same one who gave the law to Moses and who talked with him face to face in the tent of meeting. This is the Jesus who captivates us, but whose glory we just cannot adequately imagine. This is the one who said to his critics, Before Abraham was born, I am. That's in John 8.58. This is the one who Paul called the image of the invisible God and the fullness of the deity permanently established in bodily form. That's in Colossians. Now the author of Hebrews wrote concerning this Jesus that he is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. So now again I ask, can you imagine this? Can you understand just how glorious he is? Well, I believe these things, I believe this, but I cannot imagine it because, frankly, my mind is just... I read the words of Jesus, this glorious one, saying, All authority in heaven and on earth 
has been given to me. That's in Matthew 28, 18. And then I look at graphic representations of the extent and wonder of the cosmos. Now I try to imagine what all is, all authority in every planetary system, in every dimension of the unfathomably big creation. And Jesus has all this authority? Oh, wow. I know my mind short-circuits at this point, and I'm left gasping for words. So on Mount Hermon, Peter, James, and John saw Jesus transfigured before their eyes. But then, as if this were not shocking enough, things became even more glorious. Moses and Elijah appeared to be speaking with Jesus. Two men whom they knew to be in heaven were talking with their teacher right there before them. Peter's response seems so very silly, because he offered to build religious shrines for each of them. But it is what came next that is important to note. It says, While he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Matthew 17, verse 5. Peter and the other two now responded appropriately, because they fell to the ground like people who had been struck by lightning. Now this, I can imagine. Now the three synoptic Gospels record the account of the Transfiguration, but John's Gospel omits it. John opened his Gospel by writing of how he had seen the Lord's glory. So what then did he have in mind? The omission from John's Gospel has been pondered on by many theologians, but the only proposed reason that resonates with me is that the whole of John's Gospel is a presentation of the glory of Jesus. Now this makes sense because John recorded the first glorious sign performed by Jesus as the turning of water into wine at the wedding in Cana, right at the beginning of his ministry. And John wrote that, quote, He thus revealed his glory, and his disciples put their faith in him. This first marvelous sign revealed Jesus' kindness and consideration for the wedding host. But John recorded more glorious signs. For instance, the second sign recorded in John chapter 4 is when Jesus displayed his mercy and power of his spoken word by healing a man's son even though the boy was in a different location. Now that's quite something. The third sign was the healing of the lame man at the pool of Bethesda. The fourth was the feeding of the 5,000, which was triggered by Jesus' compassion for the hungry crowd. And John went on to reveal and record the display of Jesus' mastery over the elements of nature by walking on the water, by recreating the eyes of a man born blind, by raising Lazarus from the dead. Now, I have never seen someone turn water into wine, or multiply a few small loaves of bread into thousands of pieces. I've not witnessed the healing of a man born blind, or one who had not walked for most of his life. Nor do I have personal experience of walking on water and things of this nature. I am unable to even imagine them with any clarity. But I believe them because I've come to know Jesus over my lifetime. And he is glorious. Now, just how does Jesus' glory manifest in and through the church, I ask? Well, in the context of the gathered church, a Sunday service for instance, I think we can still experience his glory in a similar way to the disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration. 
When the glory cloud appeared and they heard the voice of God the Father, the disciples fell face down to the ground and says they were terrified. It's in Matthew 17 verse 6. The word terrified evokes feelings of horror and fear and panic. And I think a better translation in the context of this text would be they were very much in awe. You see, they didn't curl up into a fetal position or throw themselves behind the nearest rock. No, they fell forward with their faces to the ground in the universal response of awe and reverence. When Jesus manifests his glory in a church meeting, the response of all spiritual believers present is unmistakable. Some stand with faces tilted up and eyes closed, arms raised high and an expression of reverent attention on their faces. Others kneel with bowed heads and some fall down full length on the floor. The glorious presence of the Lord is almost physically tangible to all but the most spiritually insensitive. When Jesus is preached with anointed power and authority, the signs are also easily observed. People sit forward on their chairs in rapt attention, their faces alight. Some cry quietly, although their faces reflect no sadness. These are just some of the things that I've observed and experienced. But whatever the particular human manifestations are, the glorious presence of Jesus is unmistakable to all who are born of the Spirit. His glory also manifests through the church, particularly when disciples of Jesus minister healing and deliverance or prophetic words to unbelievers. When Jesus performed works of grace in the power of the Holy Spirit, the people were very aware that he was something and someone exceptional. The great example of this is Matthew 8.27, which records this. It says, The men were amazed and they asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and waves obey him. Similarly, when believers obey Jesus' command to proclaim the gospel in word and deed, then it says, these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. That's in Mark 16, verses 17 to 18. And you see, in this way, Jesus' glory is manifest not only in the church, but through the church. This is the Jesus of Scripture that I've been speaking about. This is the Jesus who is the focus and subject of the Captivated by Jesus series. This is the Jesus that the people we interview in the series will speak of. And this is the Jesus who I will continue to lift up in further articles in the series. God bless you. I'm looking forward to the next interview that will come next week and everything that follows in the series. God be with you. Thank you for listening to Truth Talks from Truth is the Word Ministry. If you'd like to share your views, read up on related topics or purchase one of Dr. Pepler's books, please visit his blog on truthistheword.com. And remember... Truth Talks.